Women Taking the Lead, Episode 177. I can do anything anyone else can do. Um, I'm not worse than them. They're not better than me. Anything that anyone else is doing, I can do. Not better, but I can do as well. And so that's just a challenge for me. I can do anything anyone else is doing. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Every child wants to be the hero of their own story. At JulesCustomBooks.com, your child plays the central role in every book, bringing joy and delight when they hear their name and those of their family and friends. Visit JulesCustomBooks.com to make your child the star of the show. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Boom Shika, who is a serial entrepreneur, wanderluster, online business owner, yogi author, and avid meditator. She's interested in helping you find your life purpose and get to your level 10 life. Boom, that is just a little intro for everyone. So if you could tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me on this show. It's absolutely an honor to be speaking to your listeners I've heard a lot about your podcast, so I'm really, really grateful that I, you know, like humble me gets to kind of be on your show. Um, I actually started my entrepreneurial journey not that long ago. I've been doing things here and there, but I quit my job officially and started my business based on meditation in March of this year. Uh, you know, I, I did it part-time, but I realized that I was just being... I was just using it as a hobby and I wasn't really, really paying attention to it because there was nothing on the line for me. You know, I had income coming in, really good income coming in from my corporate job. I was making good money and everyone loved me, blah, blah, blah. So it was as if, you know, I didn't actually really need to be an entrepreneur. I was just doing it to have fun on the side. And it became an expensive hobby more like than, you know, actually something that I really, really wanted to do, a vocation of kind. Then I decided, you know, I have to quit. If I really, really want to do it properly, I have to quit my job and really start my business the right way. And so I did that on March 22nd, the first day of spring, which is really auspicious. Um, And ever since then, I've just been kind of working on it, you know, doing coaching on the side, talking to a lot of people, doing a lot of podcast interviews like this, and just trying to get my name out there, getting my brand out there, The Millionaire Hippie, and just having a lot of fun with it. It's It's just really, really interesting. It's a completely different experience from being in a corporation. So I'm just loving it. Absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you reached out to me to be on the show, I was looking at your website and the material you had out there. And you definitely have this glow. Like you look like you're just enjoying everything <laughs> that you're doing, which is really great because you're teaching people meditation and how to live their best life and go about it in a like holistic, peaceful way instead of what we're, we often hear about, which is like churn and burn, go for it, exactly. falls to the wall, all this sort of thing, which, you know, I myself have a tendency to fall into every now and again, but it's nice to come back to a place where like I'm, I'm really going about my business from a sense of um, flow mm-hmm. um, and just being purpose-driven and allowing good things to come to me rather than feeling like I have to go out and hunt things down or I won't survive. So, and clearly you've had success. You had a great job before you had a great business. 
right? And there's something about you that I know that has created a lot of those opportunities and who, who you're being. You, like you said, a lot of, they liked you, you know, and, and part of what I know makes your business successful is people like you, but boom, if you could take us back to a time when you were playing small, even though that's not how you choose to live now. <laughs> you know, you really go, we talked about this before. We even hit record of how you just try to look at life differently so that it's not so fearful and, and you don't have obstacles in your way. But we all have those human moments where we, we don't recognize um, the full extent of our value and our potential. And so we hold ourselves back. If you could share with us your playing small story and the lessons you've learned. Absolutely. I think that's such a good point that you're making because I I just want to say these these feelings of, you know, I'm playing small. I think it's something that kind of plagues us no matter how successful we get or how well we're doing. So even now, every few days, every few months, every few weeks, I'll have a feeling where I feel like an imposter. You know, I feel like I'm, I have no idea what I'm really doing. I don't know why anyone's listening to me. What, what, you know, what right do I have to tell anyone how they should live their life? And I have no idea what the hell I'm doing with my life, right? So um, in that regard, I would say that this kind of feeling comes up over and over again. But because I've actually dealt with it so many times already, I know how to kind of tamp it down and get back to the basics, get back to reality, get back to what's actually happening rather than what's happening in my head. But the last time that I really felt like I was playing small, and I think that happens a lot when... I was in the corporate corporate job is I always felt like I was playing too small there. It's just the kind of environment that they've created is that, you know, you don't want to stick your neck out too much. You need to do exactly what you're asked to do and not anything more. You have to protect yourself. You know, you have to play the game. And in that kind of environment, being creative and just being yourself is extremely difficult because, you know, not only will you be judged for it, but you also might be fired for it. You might lose your job uh, if you do something that, Maybe the CEO doesn't like or the CMO or your boss or whoever it might be. And so in that kind of environment, and that was just a few months ago. I mean, it was in January, February when I was in the corporate job last. And I knew that I had to leave because I was playing in that, that role. I was trying to be liked by these individuals who were never going to like me for my true self. They wanted to, they would only like me if I played by their rules and I wasn't, I didn't like their rules. You know, it didn't make any sense for me. I'm a hippie. I am the kind of person who's very spiritual. I believe that the universe is sending me signals and signs. And these individuals were not so much like that. I mean, maybe partly they believed in that kind of stuff, but mostly they were really trying to be rational human beings that believed in this physical space that we live in. And so it was hard for me to communicate with those individuals. And I, I felt like I was kind of cutting off parts of myself in order to be in the space, in order to be in a corporate world. And I did that because I wanted approval. I wanted approval from my parents. I wanted approval from my friends. I lived in Toronto and I wanted to be one of those people, those hip people, you know, that roam around Toronto in nice clothing and nice shoes. And, you know, they look a certain way, even though their their bank accounts might be completely, you know, over debit and over draft. Like they're they look a certain way, and I wanted to be one of the cool kids, mm -hmm. um, but it didn't it didn't really work out that way. And I'm so grateful for that. 
And what did, what have you learned from that experience? Because I think sometimes we all, even though it like when you describe the corporate environment, that's like a, a day in and day out experience. But then even when you take yourself out of that, we all have those experiences where we find ourselves in a new situation with a new group of people. And like some of that stuff starts to creep back in. Like I want to be liked. I want the, I want to, you know, I want to belong and belonging is a strong drive um, for us human beings, <laughs> you know, like what, how do you handle that now, given what you know? So for me, I've always actually tried to pay attention to my emotions and how I'm feeling on the inside, because that's a really good indication of if you're being true to yourself or not. And so anytime I start feeling bad about myself, I start disliking myself in any way, or I start hating parts of myself, you know, feeling like I'm too fat or whatever it might be, you know, the, the things that we always tell ourselves. I know in that moment I'm not actually living as my true self because whenever I do live from my true authentic self, I always love myself. I always feel good about myself and I always feel good about what's going on in this world. It's a very ethereal feeling, I know it's very hard to explain, but I know a lot of self-help gurus always tell you to go back to your emotions, go back to how you're feeling especially in these difficult situations. Because what happens in these difficult situations is that we kind of disconnect from ourselves, especially our true selves. We start looking to the other people around us to tell us how we're feeling. You know, If they like us, then we like ourselves. If they don't like us, then we hate ourselves. And we need to kind of get away from that by coming back to our bodies and coming back to ourselves and seeing how am I feeling? What emotion am I feeling? Am I feeling good about myself? Am I feeling bad about myself? What's going on exactly with me in my body? And as soon as you do that, you'll notice an immediate shift in your perceptions and in the way you look around the world. It's just how it is. Our emotions are a really, really good guide into what's actually going on inside of us. Most of us try to ignore it because we're afraid of it. But if you start paying a little bit of attention to it and start seeing where it's coming from, what are those emotions and where are they coming from, it'll give you a really good guide into what you're doing, how you're feeling and how you should change that situation. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, you know, the other thing is like, where, where is the feeling coming from? And I think you gave a great example of, you know, I feel fat, you know, because there have been times in my life when, you know, I've had that thought cross my mind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and really it was compared to whom? Yes. Right. (laughs) You know, um, when I was a, you know, a healthy weight and I felt too fat, it was really, it was really coming from a place of comparing myself to other people and what I thought other people expected of me. And then there have been times when, I don't know if I I said to myself, I I feel fat, or it was more a sense of like, I'm not comfortable in my own skin right now, Mm -hmm. or I'm Mm -hmm. putting on weight. But the comparison was, I'm not healthy. Right. Right. Like my my routine had slid or I was like stressed out in my life and I was using comfort food Mm. as a coping mechanism. But the comparison was to myself. Yes. And and not to other people. It's like, okay, I am not at a healthy weight right now. My body is not designed to carry this much weight. I want to feel healthy, strong, fit. Um, and so I got back to it. So that makes perfect sense that, you know, when I felt like I was not healthy because I was using food, you know, but I was comparing it to myself. I mm-hmm. didn't feel bad. It was more like, 
all right, like, okay, let's not use this as a coping mechanism. This isn't working. But when I compared myself to other people, I felt shame and I felt really bad about myself. Um, And so, yeah, so, you know, cluing into your emotions, like, how do you feel about this? Is this, is this more like, you know, a little bit of disappointment and you know, you could do better? Or is this like shame, embarrassment, you know, disgust, dislike of yourself, because that's an indication that you're comparing yourself to other people. I am so grateful that you use the word shame because most individuals, especially in, you know, your position are not talking about shame. And shame is one of those emotions that really denigrates a lot of us, especially women, because I think we're taught to feel shame about everything, everything that we do. And so I'm so grateful that you use that word because more and more people in positions of power, especially females, should be talking about shame and how they feel shame and how other individuals make them feel shame and how it's not the right way to do things. I mean, it's not, it's not our fault. This is, how, this is not how we're supposed to feel. Men never make other men feel shame. I mean, they'll embarrass them. They'll do other stupid things like that, but they'll never shame another human being you know, for, for being who they are. So I find that's a very female-oriented thing, and we really, really, really need to start working on that. So I'm so grateful. Thank you for bringing that up. That's awesome. Yeah, and it definitely ties into our own worth. I mean, that's why Brene Brown talks a lot about worthiness Mm -hmm. with shame. Because when we feel shame, we don't feel that um, we're worthwhile or that we have a right to something, that we've earned it. You know, the times when I felt shame over my weight, I felt like I didn't deserve to have a romantic partner. Yes. Right. Because I I hadn't earned it. I hadn't worked for it. Like you have to be a certain weight to have a romantic partner. And then, of course, you meet women who are, you know, or I'd meet women who are larger than I was Mm -hmm. in very happy romantic (laughs) relationships. And I would be stunned, you know, not because they didn't deserve it, but it like totally cracked you know, this paradigm I was living in that you have to look a certain way in order to have a good relationship. It's just not true. It's, it's the, um, it's the lies that we believe about how we're supposed to look and, and, and what worthiness is and what deserving is and all of that. And so I just try to remind myself just across the board with everything, not just romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. like I've earned it. I'm worthy. I deserve it. Because I'm born. <laughs> because exactly. I was born. That's exactly. It. You don't need to do anything in order to be worthy. You, just the fact that you're breathing right now and you're alive means that you're worthy. There's a reason. I, I want to kind of bring, bring you back to that. I don't know if you've read that book, The Brief History of Everything. No. Um, and so in, in that, there's a phrase, and I'm going to send it over to you. There's a, there's a paragraph that really speaks to me. I actually have it written down and, and posted in my room. And it says that you have no idea all the different things that had to happen so that you are sitting here right now and that the fact that you're born and alive. You know, 100,000 years ago, some ancestor of yours had not to be eaten by, you know, a dinosaur. And then he had to make sure that he procreated and over the next few generations, all of your ancestors had to make sure that they were alive and stayed alive enough to procreate. And then over that time, you know, your the sperm and the, you know, there's so much that had to happen in order for you to be here. There's there's a reason. I mean, you're special. It's a miracle that we're actually here and alive. So we should take that at face value and not want to achieve something in order to be worthy. We're just worthy because we we're breathing. We're here. We're alive. Yeah. 
Awesome. Now, Boom, if you could share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. For some people, it's a flashbulb moment. Happens in an instant. Like, that's why we call them aha moments. Like, we're like, aha. (laughs) But for others, you know, it's a slow dawning. The universe has to send multiple messages before we're like, okay, this is is what I know I should do. But in either case, there's usually a moment where you're ready to take action. So if you could, take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. Definitely. Um, I'm kind of of the second genre where I've had a couple of random wake-up moments. But I'm going to share with you the latest one I've had, the reason why I quit my job. Um, I was working at this corporate job. I loved it. My boss was amazing. My, my job was great. I did really well with it. I loved it. Um, but obviously, <laughs> there's always a but. Um, I was going on vacation to Asia for three weeks in December 2015, last year. Um, and I'd gotten approval for it in September, so I'd given them enough notice. Um, unfortunately, the CMO decided that December, when I was gone for vacation, was a time when we were going to do a huge, huge launch. So they did the launch without me. And obviously, I wasn't going to check into my email while I was gone. There's no way. I'm not wasting my vacation on that. And so I come back, and obviously, the first day I'm back, there was a huge meeting. And my boss tells me that they're really disappointed. You know, there's a big launch, and I wasn't here for it. I obviously don't care about the company, blah, blah, blah. The interesting thing is that I was actually, I do, I really did care about the company a lot. I gave them a a lot of my time, more than I would ever give anyone else. I stayed late. Um, My only condition was that I don't work weekends. I'm not going to, but I'll I'll stay till midnight if you need me to. I'll stay till 5 a.m. I'll I'll stay all night if necessary. But weekends are sacred. Um, and, And my vacations were sacred to me, obviously, as well. So at that point, I realized, unfortunately, that this is going to be the case no matter where I go, no matter which corporation I work for. If I work for someone else, they're always going to want more from me, and they're always going to be disappointed no matter how much I delivered. That's just the nature of the beast, you know, it's what it is. And if I want to, you know, have my own time and work on my own schedule and feel good about the work that I'm doing, on a daily basis, I really, really, really need to start my own business. At that point, I realized, you know, I have to do it. And it took me, even from that point, when I realized it, which was January, it took me two months to actually do it. And the reason it took me so long was because I was worried about everyone else on this planet. I was worried about my parents being upset with me because I'm giving up such a great job. I was worried about my boss, who I was really loyal to, and I loved her, and she did, she you know, gave me this job. She was, I was grateful to her. I was worried about all of my friends that I was going to lose, all the people that I hung out with. I was worried about money, obviously. I, mean, I was worried about failing. I mean, what if I started a business and I failed? I lost all the money. I went bankrupt. I was destitute. I was on the streets. You know, all those things that we think about. But then I read the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And I don't know if you've ever read this book, all listeners and you, whoever's listening, please, please go read this book. It's a really short read. It's one of the best, my favorite book on this planet. I read a lot. It's one of the best, best books I've read for entrepreneurship, for creativity, for all of that. And in that, there was this one sentence that stood out to me and said, if something is important to the evolution of your soul, then you're going to feel extreme resistance to it. And that's how you know that you're supposed to be doing that, that particular item. And for me, I was feeling a lot of resistance, two months worth of it and more. I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for the last 10 years, but I was almost too afraid. And I realized 
if I wanted to evolve and get to the next level in my life, if I wanted to level up, I had to become an entrepreneur, even if that meant that I would fail, which I wouldn't because I would make sure I succeeded, even if it meant that my parents didn't love me anymore, even if it meant that I was you know, on the streets, whatever it meant, I had to try because I wanted to make sure that I at least put in the effort into it. And you know, if I died tomorrow, I would be able to say, yes, I tried, I put my best through it, and I haven't succeeded yet, but if I got the chance, I would. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I, I quit my job the next day after I read that book. Awesome. I love that. And yes, I have read the book. There's a couple of things I wanted to highlight um, in what you said is, you know, sometimes the universe does send us messages, but they feel like crap when they first, yes. <laughs> when they first oh get my it. God, yes. You know, like not being appreciated at work, right? Giving your all, but because you want one thing, um, so, you know, like y- you you feel disrespected and unappreciated and that sort of thing. Sometimes that's a message. If you're giving your best and your environment is not receiving it well, then, you know, that might be a sign that, you know, this isn't the right place for you. And um, The War of Art, I think, is an incredible book. I had it like on my brain all summer long as I was writing my own book, because one of the, you know, major concepts in the book was how to be overcome procrastination, where you have to, you have to, like art is war, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. you, you know, there's a war within yourself to get done what you know you need to do. Um, and I'm definitely someone who I tell people, I'm like, I know something's important for me to do when I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack when I think about it, <laughs> Yes, you know, that then I know, like, if something scares me that bad, then I think to myself, I need to do it. And I'm not a daredevil. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It's a certain feeling I have where I'm like, oh my God, this is so important. And, and and it's calling to me so much like there's excitement and panic all at the same time. And it was thinking about how he broke out his days because he was very descriptive about how he sets himself up for success and to face this war <laughs> to yes. create art every single day. And I would have time blocks on my calendar early, early, early in the morning. And it would be like, OK, I got to get up because I'm spending two hours on this every day and some days more, um, to hit a certain number of words. I wanted to do it, but you know, it was so gratifying at the end of every morning or morning session to be like, I got it done. It's there. Um, so that's amazing. And, you know, I really would love to dive in a little bit to your leadership style because we we're all a little bit different. You know, we all have different um, personality styles, interests, strengths, things of that. And considering, you know, where you've come from your corporate job to now being uh, an entrepreneur and the area that you focus on, I'd love to hear how you describe your leadership style. That's such an interesting question. I just love that because it's, the funny thing for me is that if I looked at myself from the outside and maybe you would think that I'm a leader, but in my head, in my imposter syndrome, in my heart, I'm like, I'm not a leader. What are you talking about? Uh, so it's really interesting that you actually say that. Although a lot of people have been saying that to me and I've kind of been noticing that, you know, in order to be an entrepreneur, obviously you have to be a sort of leader, whatever your, that leadership means to you. And in my case, I think, that I'm a really intuitive sort of leader. So I have a really, really strong sense of intuition. I trust my gut. It's the way I do business. It's the way I do everything. If I don't like a person, I don't work with them. If I don't, 
if my gut tells me about something about something and even if it doesn't make any sense i'll follow those steps because i believe and i trust my gut implicitly and so in that regard i think i like to use intuition with my leadership as well so if i want to guide someone especially in my coaching or guide someone in my business in, in a direction i'll always try to use my intuition for the best solution to the problem for their problem for my problem for our mutual problem whatever it might be and i love that form of leadership because it's not that it's coming from a place of ego my ego their ego whatever it might be but it's coming from a higher source you know a source that knows more than my meager mind knows you know as a puny human and i feel <laughs> like it has more depth to it it has more creativity to it and also it's like the win-win situation it always finds a win-win solution for the for the situation i'm in because that's how i'd like to live my life i if i'm doing anything i'd want everyone involved to be winning not just me so i hope that kind of explains a little bit of how i think of my leadership style it's an interesting yeah. question it really helps me <laughs> yeah absolutely style. and you know it is you know it is true i just was saying in the last bonus episode i released like we're all leaders like you know and i'm i'm definitely a leader where i pass the baton like sometimes i am the designated leader for moments of time and then i would be considered a follower in other situations where i'm following the lead of others but i'm a leader in how i choose to participate Right. At that point. Yes. In that I'm the type of leader that when I take a step back so somebody else can take the lead, I'm going to make sure they're successful and that they know what they have my support. So even when we're not leading, we're leading. Right. That's really interesting. I love that. That's actually brilliant. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Boom, what's one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? So I'm so glad you asked this because I've actually been doing. And I don't know if a lot of you listeners are aware of this, but I've been doing a creativity workshop. It's based on the book The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and she recommends morning pages as one of the main tools in order to, you know, unblock yourself. And I've always been a very creative person, but I've had a really hard time with it because my family, which is I love my family to death, but they're all really rational human beings and they frown upon creativity as something that's such a waste of time or is just a hobby and for me I I want creativity to be a major part of my life my business is basically a creative aspect you know has all of these creative aspects to it so I've been doing the artist way workshop I've been doing the creative workshop and it has brought up feelings of wanting to be a performance artist which I've I haven't done since I was maybe 10 or 11 and i started doing improv which i am so so excited about now you might be wondering how is improv related to business but i always tell people anything creative that you do in your life anything that you do outside of your life outside of your business is going to affect your business because you are a whole human being you can't disconnect parts of yourself and be like i'm just going to do this here and it won't affect everything else that i do in my life and i've noticed the more creative i am with my improv and with everything else in my life I'm more creative with my business. I get ideas in my business that I'm able to improve on because of my creativity in the rest of my life. And so I I recommend to everyone who's listening, if you do have any kind of creative, you know, creative streak, if you want to do something creative, I absolutely recommend that you start doing either morning pages or reading Art the Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. It's one of the best books in creativity I've read in a long time. 
And there, you know, I do, I want to add boom that there absolutely is a connection between improv and business. And improv is one of those things that I know I need to do one day (laughs) because, you know, just because there is a bit of a performer in me as well. And the, the, the opportunity to expand your skills in business is incredible. And I had a business coach at one point who had recommended if there are classes being offered in improv near you, take them because improv um, increases your ability to think quick on your feet and to to deal with curveballs. Because we're all, in business, we're always being dealt curveballs. There's always, it's not the known that trips us up. It's the unknown and how to deal with things as they're coming at you. But if you're skilled in improv, you're skilled at handling curveballs. That's so true. That is very true. It is a (laughs) lot of curveballs. I mean, I'm just looking at myself and I can't believe how much progress I've made just in the last four weeks of doing it. It's it's insane. It literally is insane. Mm -hmm. And what's one of the biggest leadership or business challenges you're currently faced with? For me, the hardest thing is believing in my path and having trust and faith in the universe's path for me. Obviously, I am you know, doing all the things I'm doing. I don't know if you were aware, but I'm actually in Chiang Mai right now uh, in, in Thailand. And I moved here in order to save on expenses and work on my business, live with other digital nomads, you know, work with other people who are doing the same thing as me. And I did this because it was my gut telling me to do this. You have to go, you have to be with other like-minded individuals. You have to do all of this because it's going to alleviate you from, you know, being alone, being lonely, being on your own, doing what you're doing and a lot of other things. And so I followed the path and I did it. But every single day, every single moment, I have to remind myself that I need to have faith in myself, in my skills, in my path and keep on going without any doubts or as few doubts as possible and just keep on walking just take the next step even if i'm not sure what i'm doing in my path what am i doing in my life what am i doing in my business who will ever listen to me and all of those things even if i don't if i have all of those doubts i want to keep on taking the next step taking the next step taking the next baby step whatever it might be so that mm-hmm. is my biggest challenge is the mindset keeping on keeping on you know <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm six years into my business. And I have to tell you, boom, it was like a series of baby steps that got me here today. There was no way I planned my business to look the way it looks now, five or six years ago. Wow. Um, you know, so it, it really is just a series of doing the next right thing and the next right thing. And those curveballs oftentimes will shape your next steps because oftentimes those curveballs turn into opportunities to slingshot yourself forward. So, and I know you're new to business, but I would love to hear about the support system you have for yourself around your business that allows you to maintain your current level of success and continue to grow. I've actually been extremely lucky in the support system. Not only is my family really, really supportive, which I'm so grateful for, but I have a mastermind group of female entrepreneurs that I meet with on a weekly basis. We do it through a Skype call and we talk about our business and we support each other through it. In addition to that, like I said, I've moved to a big, big online business community here in Chiang Mai. And so I meet with 
people regularly. I mean, I'm meeting a sales coach tomorrow and we're exchanging. I'm going to be teaching him meditation. He's teaching me some sales tools. And so there's a big community here of a lot of different entrepreneurs doing a lot of different things. And just being around that kind of energy where anything is possible because there's so many different paths that all these individuals are on that for me, I feel like, oh, I'm actually pretty normal. There are individuals who are doing crazier things than me. And so being in that kind of environment has given me so much support, being around people with that sort of hungry, crazy, energetic power just makes me so excited to get up every morning and, and keep on working my business, whatever small step I'm taking that day. So I'm actually extremely lucky. And I, I think that's one of the main things that I love about having all these people around me. And I absolutely recommend, I'm sure you do as well, is that no matter how big your support system is or small, you need to have a couple of people on your side who you can go to in those moments of doubt or whatever you're feeling and go to them and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Please tell me, you know, why am I here? What am I doing in my life? And they'll remind you why you took that first step to become an entrepreneur, which is what we need to remind ourselves of over and over again. I love that. All right, boom. Now we're going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? Meditation is definitely one of those practices that has been crucial for me in becoming a better leader. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? I was going to say The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, that's one of my favorite books. It's not necessarily for females. It's not geared towards females, obviously. Uh, but it is one of the best books on leadership. It's just, it's great. What advice would you give your younger self? Not to go to university and waste any time on that and actually start a business right away because uh, I wasted a lot of money and time on going through that process. And share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. The quote that I love is by Marion Williamson, and I'm sure you've heard of it as well. I, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it here because it's a long one, but she basically tells you to live as big as possible and Give, that gives other people permission to live as big as possible. And most of us, what we do is that we're afraid and we live small lives and we don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Have you turned that quote into a mantra for yourself? Um, I actually don't have a mantra. I always, the only thing I always tell myself is that I can do anything anyone else can do. Um, I'm not worse than them. They're not better than me. Anything that anyone else is doing, I can do not better, but I can do as well. And so that's just a challenge for me. I can do anything anyone else is doing. And lastly, Boom, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? So I have a Facebook group, the Millionaire Hippie Club. If you're interested, you can join that. But more than that, I'd love for you guys to read the articles that I've written on my website, themillionairehippie.com. So uh, check it out and let me know what you guys think. Awesome. And for those of you listening, you know, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And boom, thank you so much for taking the time from Chiang Mai to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you so much again for having me on this show. I'm so grateful. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. 
Connect with Millie at zebralovewebsolutions.com to create the impression Are you, you ready to make. take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.